Spirit of the living God, we just want to worship you and reverence you, acknowledge you in our means. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for sending your spirit unto us. Thank you, Father. We glorify you and we worship you. We bow our heart before you this evening. We present ourselves at your altar. And we ask in accordance to your promise that you teach us all things. Spirit of the living God. Make our heart pliable and receptive to your word. Make our heart receptive to your word. Make our ears open into your word. Then in the end, Lord, at the end of the day, let your name be glorified. Let the name of Jesus be praised. Even as we have worshipped in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Good evening and welcome. Thank you for coming. Glory be to the name of God. We just want to have an opportunity again to have a conversation, answer question, ask question regarding the topic we have been discussing, um, we have been talking about relationship and reconciliation, majorly relationship. We've now talked about reconciliation. And so I want to you know, take this time to see if we have any question that needs some clarification um, so that we can have a proper conversation. Amen. Any question, any um, concern, confusion, clarification, whatever it is, so that we can uh, take an attempt to answer as the Holy Spirit helps us. Amen. Anyone? Any question? Okay. No question. Good. So, now... Can anyone relate with the topic? Do we, do we find any relevance? How has it, um, the discussion so far, how has it changed or at least enlightened you? Um, what epiphany, if any, have you uh, encountered? If there are no questions, so that would be my question. So, can anyone tell, tell me what, um, how you relate with the message? How you view relationship as we um, look into the scriptures and we look at how God view relationship? Are you, are you comfortable with where you are now? Are you, have you done anything differently? Have you made any decision if you are willing to share? Um, has the word of God spoken to you in a way that has helped you to make some adjustment? 
or help someone else. Anyone? Thank you. Okay. Any other perspective? Okay. Now, I want us to um, quickly start this evening by reading the scripture in John, um, John chapter 10. Now, we're all familiar with that scripture in John chapter 10. And we're reading from verse 11. John chapter 10, verse 11. <clears throat> And he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd puts the sheep before himself, sacrifices himself if necessary. A hired man is not a real shepherd. The sheep mean nothing to him. 
he sees a wolf come and run for it, leaving the sheep to be ravaged and scattered by the wolf. He is only in it for the money. The sheep don't matter to him. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and my own sheep know me. In the same way, the Father knows me, and I know the Father. I put the sheep before myself, sacrificing myself if necessary. You need to know, now pay attention to this, that I have other sheep in addition to those in this pen. You need to know that I have other sheep in addition to those in this pen. I need to gather and bring them too. I need to gather and bring them too. This is why the Father loves me, because I freely lay down my life. And I, so I am free to take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down on my own free will. I have the right to lay it down. I also have the right to take it up again. I received this authority Personally, from my father. Amen. Now, this is Jesus here speaking to us that he knows his sheep and his sheep know him and they listen to him. Now, my first question to us this evening is one, are you his sheep or are you one of his sheep. And if the answer is yes, do you listen to him? And that's the question I want us to ponder over. Because Jesus cannot lie. So if I say I'm his sheep and I don't listen to him, something is wrong. See that I am lying or I really don't have an understanding of what I'm talking about. Because he said that his sheep listen to him. And so... The other point I want us to ponder over is that he stressed the fact that there are other sheep that are not yet in his pain. And he intends to gather them and bring them in. So the question is, Jesus is no longer here. How will he do that? How do you think he intends to bring the other sheep to gather them in? 
He is counting on the sheep that are already with him, that are listening to him. And he recognized the fact that if you know anything about sheep, if you are a shepherd and you have sheep and you have your own sheep and you just taking them maybe for grazing to graze grasses, you will not need to do anything if there are other sheep around, just wandering around, they will, without any compulsion, just follow. And they will follow the other sheep without any question. That's what Jesus is saying. That's what Jesus intends to see happen. That's his plan. His sheep, if his sheep are listening to him, as they go about, it is going to be an automation. Other sheep that are not yet in, they will see this other sheep following Jesus and they will follow. And when you look at the scriptures, you will realize that there is no other way God intends to make this happen other than through relationship. And it's simple as that. It's through relationships. Jesus and God from his original design, his intention was that sheep will influence other sheep. And by nature of the sheep, you just realize that it's an automation. When sheep sees other sheep, they might have gone astray. If they see a shepherd with other sheep, they just follow. And that shepherd will lead them aright to the proper place. Amen? So God was intending and counting on relationship to be the driver for bringing in the other sheep. But it will take sheep to bring the other sheep. Amen? And so that's why the question that we need to ask ourselves is if indeed we're his sheep. Because if we are his sheep, then we will listen to him. That's why he says it's, it's impossible for his sheep not to listen to him. If someone says I'm his sheep and he's not listening to him, he's not yet in the pen. Amen? And we will see some, you know, in some other scriptures, I think in 1 John, where something like that relative to that was, you know, um, was said. He said, if someone says I love God, watch this. He said, if someone says I love God, and hate his brother or a brother. You say he's a liar. Because you cannot love God and hate at the same time. Love and hate does not mix. They cannot coexist in one human being. 
It is impossible. <laughs> Love and hate cannot coexist in the same human being. No. It cannot happen. So I, <laughs> when I married my wife, I said, if you say you love me, from now until Jesus comes, and I see you hate someone, I know you are a liar. You cannot love me and hate someone else. Love and hate does not dwell in the same mortal body. It's impossible. It can't. So you can't tell me, I love you, I love you, I love you, and I see you hate someone. If you hate on someone, you have no capacity to love me. You can't. Because love and hate cannot dwell in the same body. Amen? So God has positioned relationship as a vehicle through which he will bring others that are not yet in the pain. That's it. That's the vehicle God, right from before the foundation of the earth, has designed to accomplish that task. There's no other way. Amen? So, as Ships, he is telling us, I'm painting a picture of how the kingdom, his kingdom, operates. He's painting it to us. And that's why we went through, you know, the core point that demonstrated and shows how God places relationships. How he wants us to value relationship because he wants us to see the way he sees it. Why? The call of the matter is in John chapter 10 because there are some ships that are not yet in the fold and he intends to gather them in. Amen? So those ships that are not yet in the ten are also what we refer to as neighbors. It's the same thing. They are all symbolic representation. That's why when we read in the book of Luke chapter 10, when that man asked, which is the greatest commandment? What must I do to enter life? And he asked, what is... What, how do you read the scriptures? And then he told him about the story of in the Samaritan story, which we all love and we have read. But I think what we have missed for so long is that Jesus was defining who a neighbor is to the man that asked the question. And he's saying, Your neighbor is in this story. Because the man asks, how will you define a neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And you realize that it is the same thing. That neighbor was a man that is not yet 
in the pen. It's not the most, it's not the perfect guy. It's not the righteous. No. Because Jesus don't need to teach us to love our families. No. He will not be asking you to love your family, your friend, those people. You already love them. He knows where we have problem. The one we tagged unlovable. That's why I said, that's your neighbor. That's your neighbor in that scripture when he said you must love and you should. The second is like it, that you love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, the neighbor is someone who is traveling, who went astray, who was wounded. Someone who is not where he should be or she should be. And he defined that as a neighbor to the man. He said, this is the person you are to love as yourself. Amen? So the same symbol of the sheep that is yet to be in the fold. So all those who are not yet in the fold are the people that God put as the second priority of love. Okay, we have talked so much about love, haven't, haven't we? But the greatest commandment says, love God and love your neighbor. Okay? And he defined the neighbor as someone that is not yet in the fold. Why? Because those are his priorities. He wants to bring them in. Those that are not here in, he wants to gather them. That's what that scripture says in, in John 10. It says, I intend to gather them in. And he's going to draw them. And that's why the first and the second commandment was for the neighbor. The first is love God, then the next is the neighbor. And the neighbor is the same as Jesus is talking about in John 10. Those others that have not yet brought in. He wants us to love them. Because he is intending through our relationship to bring them in. Amen? Amen? And so that's why you see his priority was on those. And, and then, you know, my prayer for us is that God will open our eyes and illuminate our heart to prioritize what he prioritized. To begin to look at anything or any man or any woman that God brings in your way. To begin to see them from the value proposition of God. And, and that's going to be the change that we need to make. I mean, that's the change. To begin to see every human being that God brings across our ways. As we're looking at them, we should begin to look at them as priority. We begin to see them as God's priority. And so that changes the dynamics of our relationship with them. That helps us to build a healthy relationship. 
Because right there, the Holy Spirit is beginning to minister to our heart and beginning, you know, to, to touch our heart that, okay, paraventure, this is one of the sheep he's willing or intending to bring in. And he intends for me to love this individual. And as soon as that seed is in our heart, we recognize that it becomes very easy to do the other things, to submit to that person. It becomes very easy when they offend you to easily forgive, even when it is painful. When anger says, just forget about her, all of a sudden you recognize, no, this is a priority to God. I can't do that. You do the opposite. You love on them. But did Jesus not paint the picture enough? He did. All over the scriptures. All over the scriptures. But it begins by recognizing the priority God places on people that he is bringing into our lives. That's, that's what changes the dynamics. Because all over the scripture we see it. The Bible said even though he was God, he humbled himself. He came down in human body. He submitted even unto the death, the most agonizing death of the, in the, on the cross. We saw it. We saw his relationship with his disciples. Even though he knew Peter was going to deny him, what did he do? He prayed for him. He said, Peter, I saw Satan falling from heaven. And he's about to sip you. He said, but I've prayed for you. He knew Judas was going to betray him. Yet he anointed. Yet he washed his feet. Yet he sent him out. He gave him power to go do healings. He had when Atania said, nothing good can come out of Nazareth. Yet he said, behold, a true Israelite in whom there is no gale. We saw it. He demonstrated it. How he prioritized the relationship in his life. He said, all that the Father has given unto me, I have loved them to the end. I did not lose any one of them except this child of perdition. He loved them till the end. In spite of all that they did. And those are his example for us. Amen. So when we prioritize, then we recognize that immediately we are able to solve the problem of anger. Because the devil is looking into relationships to strike at us. Without relationship, you hardly have anything to be angry about. If you don't have any relationship, you don't have relationship with God, you don't have relationship with man, what, what will you be angry about? You have no incentment for anger. But when you have relationship with human beings, then all of a sudden, there's an opportunity for anger. If you don't have relationship with anyone, you have no reason to be humble. You don't need to submit to anyone. It is only when you have a relationship that humility is now a necessity. So when we prioritize and we see relationship the way God sees it, then 
Anger is no longer an issue because all of a sudden, things that are causing us to be angry, the value God places on that relationship is more than the heart that I suffer. And so it pales in comparison, and so the value or the most valuable is going to win all the time. Relationship has the most value as opposed to the offense that someone offended me. So relationship will win all the time. That's what God planned to use to bring those shifts into the fold. Amen? And the same thing, rejection of strife becomes very easy. Because you know God prioritized this relationship, so I would do everything within my capacity, my power, to ensure there's no strife between us. Even if it means me submitting. Yes, I'm going to submit. Amen? When we saw that, we saw several of those examples. Remember when Jesus was being arrested? Peter drew his sword. Right? And cut off one of the um, prophets or, or Pharisees said, yeah. And Jesus said, no, we're not going to do that. Even though I'm going to suffer in their hand, relationship is prioritized. I have gone to save them. And while he was hanging on the tree, they pierced him, they spit on him. What did he do? Father, forgive them. Again, he prioritized the relationship more than every assault that came at him. Amen? And that's what God is expecting for us to do. Any questions so far? I want to touch briefly on reconciliation. And the reason why I couldn't do much about this is because we don't have the time and we still don't have the time. But as far as reconciliation is concerned, it becomes very easy if we can articulate or if we are at home with those five points we already gave, how to create a healthy and create and maintain healthy relationship. Do we remember any of those? First one is, how do we create and maintain a healthy, godly relationship? The first one is follow God's pattern. Follow God's pattern. Prioritize relationship the way God prioritizes it. Be willing to pay the highest price the way God was willing to pay the highest price. Relationship first before anything. That's what Jesus said. Amen? And what is the second point? Master anger. God told us true anger relationship will be destroyed. That's one weapon the devil, you know, has. He will destroy relationship if anger exists. Number three, humility. Be humble so you can submit. Without humility, relationship cannot work. Amen? And number four, be a man of great Peace. If you are a man of great peace, nothing will offend you. That's what the Bible says. Nothing. I mean, is that possible? Absolutely. God said so. 
And the last one is you reject strife. You cannot be a man of great peace and be a man of strife at the same time. No. It's not going to happen. You reject strife. Amen? And when we have those and we live by those, reconciliation is very, very simple because it's already baked in. So when there is a cog or the devil struck at our relationships, reconciliation becomes very, very easy. Why? Because reconciliation needs a man of great peace. Reconciliation needs a man that can submit. Reconciliation needs a man that is not given to anger. Now, when we have those, it becomes very easy for God to use us for reconciliation. Because the ministry that God or Jesus committed into our hand is the ministry of reconciliation. That's why we need to understand relationship before we can fulfill that ministry. No angry man can reconcile any man to God, another man or another woman to God. No. No proud man can reconcile. Those things are anti-relationship. So the ministry that God's are committed to the hands of Christians, the ministry of reconciliation needs a man or a woman who understand relationship. If we don't understand it the way God painted the picture for us, reconciliation becomes difficult. That's why we're struggling as a church. I mean, the global church of Christ. To fulfill what Christ has commissioned us to fulfill. The way we're going to do it is to understand relationship. I mean, look at a few examples. In the Garden of Eden, just look at the relationship. When the relationship became sour, in the Garden of Eden. See those things, how it played out between God and man. God came. God was the father. He was the one who was offended. Was he not? He was the one who was betrayed, who was violated. And he was the one that came looking for Adam. He was the one that took the first step. Was it not? What will it take to do that? For the creator to submit to the created. He is not asking us to do anything he hasn't done. He came looking. He took the first step. Amen? And that's what Jesus was saying we should do. Also, when we read in that book, Matthew, he came down looking. That's reconciliation. The key about reconciliation because of time is taking the first step. Who takes the first step? The most spiritual. (laughs) 
the most spiritual is the one that takes the first step. Because it takes light to defeat darkness. So if God is going to reconcile the world unto himself, he is going to need us to rise up to the calling he has called unto. So if you are willing to take the first step, then reconciliation becomes very easy because it takes humility, submission to take the first step. It takes prioritizing that relationship to take the first step. That, prior, that relationship becomes a higher priority than the humiliation you suffer by submitting. It takes knowing or prioritizing relationship to, to say no to anger. Because any time you want to take that first step, what are you doing? He caused it. She caused it. She did this. He did that. Blah, 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 blah. But God has committed unto us the ministry of reconciliation. And the way he did it, he took the first step. So if we're willing to follow his pattern, to listen to him, that's why when I see someone who is born again and cannot take the first step when a relationship goes sour, that's why I ask the first question, are you his sheep? And if the answer is yes, do you listen to him? And then why is it difficult for you to take the first step? To reconcile when there is a problem with your relationship, with your co-worker, with your spouse, your child, I mean, whoever, any relationship, why is it difficult? You are not listening to him, then I doubt if you are his sheep. I'm, because I would rather believe Jesus. I, I mean, it's just difficult for me to not believe Jesus. Because he said, my sheep, they hear my voice and they listen to my voice. So if I cannot take the first step for reconciliation, am I truly his sheep? Am I listening to him? <laughs> Amen? And that's where the rubber meets the road. I've seen several, several great, great Christian children of God who we say we are born again, children of God, and yet we don't listen to him. Yes. Um, I have a question. Okay. Um, like you said very well, but I have a challenge. How do you deal with difficult people? People that reject your love and um, people that are Christians, but act contrary to the word of God when it comes to relationships. The relationship is really, it's really challenging. I mean, challenging to to deal with them. So, how do you deal with this kind of people? Because my take is, uh, 
and take the example of God. He chased some people out, I mean, Adam and Eve, out of the Garden of Eden. So that's how I do it. I mean, I don't keep them close. But how do you love them? How do you, you know, um, have a relationship with them? Absolutely. That's the, that's the reason why reconciliation does not work except we understand relationship from the view of God. That, that's why we, we took time to talk about relationship, how God view relationship. And the example we gave, several examples, all the examples in the scriptures, right? The example you just made, right? You will see in God's dealing with them that he did not leave them alone. No, 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 no. Chasing them out of the Garden of Eden was grace, was to protect them. Because they are in a defiled state and they cannot eat the tree of life in that state. If they eat the tree of life, why they are now compromised, they remain like that for eternity. So he had to protect them. So we see it as if he shares them out, but he was protecting them. How do we know? The Bible said, when they now said they were naked, what did God do after that? He got a, a leave and covered them. Is that somebody who is, who is far away? Did you see him? No, 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 no. He is closer. He was not far away. He was closer. But because of his holiness, he needed to do what he did. But he never left them alone. And that's why God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you until the day accomplish that which I have said concerning you. So that's what God is teaching us. That's what we have been doing. I can't deal with him. I can't deal with her. Let her just go. Now, that's not how God portrayed relationship to us. That's not what he did. Okay? And we saw Jesus when he was telling us who our neighbor is. It was a man that was going from Jerusalem to Jericho. More like someone who is unlovable or someone who is rejecting love, rejecting Jerusalem. I mean, it's just a parable. But the picture he painted to us was, in spite of that, you know, the good Samaritan who is portraying to us how we should be a good neighbor was showing what God wants us to show. Yes, people are difficult. And that's why I said, until you are in a relationship, you probably won't have opportunity to be angry. You probably won't have opportunity to be mad. At, no. Once you are in a relationship, the devil has an opportunity. Okay? How we deal with that is several ways. I mean, I don't want to, I, I, I can't say, you know, it's one way. But if we are his sheep and we listen to him, it becomes very easy. One, how much priority do you have on that relationship? Is what that person is doing, the heart he has caused, is he of more value to you than losing that relationship? Or is keeping that relationship more valuable to you? See, until those things are settled in our heart, the Holy Spirit do not have the opportunity to help us. Because he deals with us from our heart. So if my heart is right, 
if I know, if I know in my heart of heart that regardless of what this person has done, this relationship is God's priority, God now works out the rest, okay? You know, that's why it's difficult to give you 10 steps of, you know, even though we try to do it, we try to do it from the perspective of God, but it said in the scripture how we should respond. Our default response is to push people away or to step back or to stay away. Now, pray for those that despitefully use you. That's what he says. He said, you know, if your enemy is hungry, give him food. See, we are doing exact opposite of everything he told us to do. And we're saying it's not working. That's what I've seen. That's my experience. I don't know about you. But um, what about that scripture? I was looking for it. I couldn't find it now. But there's a scripture that says that mark those that cause strife and division and stay away from them. What do you think about that? Does it mean that because of love, we just, we don't have principles, you know, like for me, if somebody breaks a principle that is like my core value, I keep them at a certain level. Mike, I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, that's a good question, but like, yes, like, like, uh, in a godly way, for instance, somebody, uh, living in sin and not wanting to change, who is a believer forever and ever, and as long as, thank you, as long as you're always with a person, like, the person is always trying to take you on a direction that is not godly. Yeah. I, I think I understand. So relationship is not a day's job, right? It does not happen in a day. And as far as God is concerned, the first thing is the alignment of our heart, the alignment of our purpose. Um, there is a Yoruba in my tribe, Adish, that says um, someone that wants to help someone does not suddenly become the owner of the load. If you want to help me carry a load, you can all of a sudden become the, the owner. So we are Jesus' disciple. And we need just to follow him. Did we see anyone that Jesus rejected or pushed away? Did we see people that were difficult that Jesus had to relate with? Absolutely, yes. We just gave a few examples. Most of his Disciples, right? How did he handle them? How did he relate with them? He is our pattern. That's why the number one principle we gave was follow God's pattern. Our own agenda, our own pattern, somebody says own pattern will not work for us. We will not work for God. That's why I can't say follow my style. Follow God's pattern. What we need to figure out is, God, what would you have me do? Okay, rather than having our set principles, which are good, I have principles. But in, when it comes to relationship, we want to follow God's pattern. Lord, what would you have me do? And then, listen to him. He will guide you. Okay? There are some cases where we think we just, you know, we have to cut off the relationship. Yes, you might do that. 
But who asked you to do that? Who told you to do that? Principle. Well, that's okay. See, there are people who might not listen to you immediately. And there are people who might be um, of physical harm unto you. That does not stop you from praying for them. But if your heart is already compromised, how do you pray for them? See, that's the thing. So we have to, when we follow his pattern and our priority is right, you know, that's why the key is priority. It will be easy for me to pray if physical contact is not possible. I can pray at that point. And if that is a priority in my heart and I am praying, you will see God's miracle. That's how we see God's miracle, when we align with him, not our principles. I have a lot of principles. You know, I have a military background. I have so much, so many principles. But in time like that, God, what will you have me do? Because my principle will not work if they are not properly in line or aligned with that of God. Amen? Does that answer the question? Yeah. Yes. Pastor, you just, by you, you've just been picking words, exact word I want to say. Because uh, each one of us, you know, relationship is everything. You know, and uh, just like Pastor rightfully said, that you have to ask the Holy Spirit, what do you have me do? I have experienced many, you know, there's some, by the grace of God, I've been to many churches to meet with a lot of people. There are some people that it's like God give to you as an assignment and you want to move away from it. So God will say, that is your assignment. In fact, you know why you are pointing finger and say, that person is crazy. God is saying, you are even much crazier. You know, God, God wants you to, because the Bible says to whom much is given, much is required. And uh, one of the Bible passages I was thinking about is in Romans chapter 8 that says, as many as are, um, the sons, um, what's that one? As, as, as yeah, many as are led by the spirit, spirit, they are the sons yeah, of God. The, yeah, chapter 8 is talking okay. about being led by the spirit okay. on every situation about relationship. There are some people, just like Pastor said, you just have to have what, what is called stubborn love and go out of your way. And it's not by rules or side. You have mm -hmm. to say, God, Holy Spirit, how do I deal with this person? Because I'm just, I don't want to have anything to do with him. Yeah, and it is very, it is very appropriate yeah. to talk to God and tell God, I've had it with this person. Yeah. Now, if you don't help me, yeah. uh, I don't know. I don't know what to do. And yeah, sorry, be sir, open. Bless them that cause very, very difficult until you pull out and say, 
Exactly. So. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Yeah, so that's why we took time to talk about relationship um, until we align with the relationship aspect. Reconciliation is impossible. And, and that's why, you know, I fear for the church of Christ because we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. And it is so difficult because we are yet to understand relationship and what priority God placed on it. And so we're still placing ourselves in the way. And uh, so once we embrace the concept of God on relationship, reconciliation is very easy. It's, it could be painful. You can see Jesus went to the cross. He got nails, right? Begin. Why did he do it? For God so loved the world. Amen. Yes, so as far as God is concerned, you know, and as far as, you know, because we have human limitations, right? Human limitations. Um, you will actually see Paul talk about, you know, some folks that were causing um, divisions, causing, you know, havoc in the church, right? So the church does not mean yeah, it, it, it's, hard to, it's hard to say. So when people gather, because the literal meaning of the church is true, is correct, is those that are called out, those that have been called out of the world, but congregation, okay, it's a mixed congregation. So those that actually nailed Jesus to the cross, you know, they were in the congregation, right? And so we still have those. Again, our approach, our default is to pray for them. That's our default. Okay, there are, if you go back to the, and our time is fast spent now, if you go back to the Old Testament, you see there are times when God actually ordered some people to be annihilated, some people to be, to be destroyed, to be removed. Those are specific instructions. And that's the reason why it is paramount to ask God, what will you have me do? Okay? So, you know, people might come to the church. They are not yet in the fold. They might be agents of the kingdom of darkness. They might be whatever it is. Okay? There could be some specific instruction that God can give to us to do certain things. 
Okay? But those are not generalized. Those are exceptions. But in times of relationship, creating a healthy relationship and maintaining that healthy relationship, we need to understand it from the perspective of God. When it comes to deal with specific situations like that, if we're in tune, it will, it will speak to us how to handle it. We see several people that were in such situation that God tells them, you know, what to do. Amen? And so, um, our time is fast spent, so if we have other questions, you know, you can see me. We continue to have this conversation. I'm going to talk about reconciliation in detail at some, at some point in time, and then will we understand how to, you know, make adjustment when there is a clash, when there is a problem, um, how to be, without understanding the concept of relationship is impossible. And so for us to be the ministers of reconciliation, the church must understand relationship before the church can actually do the job of reconciliation. Amen? Let's talk to God. So bow our head and just ask God to help us to grant unto us illumination, grant unto us his heart, grant unto us all that we need to succeed. He is giving unto us the Holy Spirit. Let's ask God to help us submit to him. Because once we submit to God, then we're on our way. It will be easy for us to submit to one another. And he can see us as fit for his service. Because in the kingdom of God, there is no division. A kingdom divided against itself can never stand. A house divided against itself can never stand. We don't want to be in that, in that part of the story. We want to be his ministers of reconciliation. And let's just receive from him his engrafted word and ask him to help us walk it out. Because his grace is sufficient for us. Thank you, Father. We glorify your name. We honor you, Lord, and we thank you. We know we're in this world, but we know your grace is sufficient for us. Help us. Help us to live out your word to the praise and glory of your holy name. As we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Have a good night, and God bless you.